Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Now then, found the right dial again, did you? Turned it to the right frequencies. And we go again. Hey, up. How are you doing, your day? Welcome to another week here at the RGM Podcast. With me, Carl Maloney, doing that talking thing. And today's no different, ladies and gentlemen. So how have you been this week? Um, I've got to have a scan on a liver. Officially an old man, all these niggly things. I had a random, like, uh, uh, oh, for no, and all that kind of stuff. I had a uh, a text message that come through from the doctor, just inviting people for a random blood test and a check and a health check. But I'll have a bit of that. Uh, So I've done a blood check. Got one of the text messages saying, uh, uh, we need to speak to you about uh, your results. Oh, shit. Here we go. Convinced death <laughs> is close, uh, and it turns out uh, it could be nothing. It's a precautionary thing, so they just want to do this scan on the liver thing. Um, yeah, and a couple of other n- little niggly things, lifestyle changes, and all that kind of stuff that'll help. Um, but other than that, ladies and gentlemen, what a way to start a show. Uh, but I'm not dead. Uh, in my head, I'm convinced. There's something wrong, <laughs> but I'm sure it'll be fine. You know what it's like. But what a week of live music we've had. It's probably the busiest week that I've ever had on RGM. As a new year starts and everything starts happening again and people start kicking their lives up the arse again and getting shit done. It's been really busy and one thing that's been great this week is just watching how those, you know, those ratings uh, have been enjoying this week. Uh, announcing midweek that, you know, the, it looks like it, there's a possibility of getting a number one album for for that band is just a phenomenal achievement. And I'm recording this on Friday before uh, it's announced. Um, so I'm going to say congratulations on the number one, lads. I'm sure it'll happen. You put the hard work in. Opening a shop and that in Meadowall, eh? Uh, a rating shop. You know, inviting fans to come down, sign stuff. Uh, selling the albums, do, doing things their way. Love all of that love all that say what you want about the music it doesn't matter these guys are grafted and there's some good tunes on that new album I've been listening to it nice one it's really good to see uh, you know it's just, just to see that it is possible for people to make shit happen without having to rely on other people and industry hypes in it yeah so that's nice Today on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we've got the amazing Laura Horton. I've been wanting to speak to Laura for ages. She's one of those really passionate, I can't speak, one of those really passionate supporters of uh, the local music scene. She's a band manager herself. Uh, We talk about all of that. As always, we'll just have a little chat and all before we pop over to Laura. It's a really interesting chat. I got to know Laura because I I don't know her personally. I felt like I got to know her a little bit and understand more about 
why she's such a, an ambassador of live music. So, um, so yeah, thanks to Laura for joining us this week. That's coming up in the next couple of minutes. So yeah, uh, what's going on RGM? Loads of stuff. We had an amazing... I feel like we've made a bit of a difference this week somehow. Um, my friend Matt. Good old Matt from Sheffield. Um, he he, um, he has cerebral palsy and he's a massive music fan. Uh, and I was speaking to him recently about some troubles he had trying to get festival tickets. Um, and not necessarily just getting festival tickets, but... Um, he he he, uh, he needs and has a lot of support, um, and sometimes festivals aren't um, not knowingly uh, they're just not as supportive with you know with, uh, helping with costs to get a carer in to help these people enjoy live music and you know sometimes some people need help eating, going to the toilet, all these type of things, and uh, and we uh, we we basically put a little post out last week, and Matt had, had a little bit of trouble with Askin Festival. They weren't. They weren't willing to give him a, a free ticket or a discounted ticket for his carer to go in. Which you know, it's expensive things. Uh, festivals. It felt a bit exclusive uh, towards him. So we put a post out just telling his story and stuff. Uh, we tagged in the festival. They've been great. They've been replying. We spoke to their managing director and all that kind of stuff. And talks are on to for them to try and you know review what processes they've got. And it's all genuine nice things that are coming back from you know raising a spotlight on uh, this particular area so uh, it's in the features section of RGM have a look at it with Matt thanks again Matt for writing the feature and bringing a spotlight on it I'm just glad you know RGM can sometimes shine a light on little things for people and, and help and support these things proud of that nice one yes that's been nice um, also you've got to reflect on things that aren't particularly working well as well and I've sacked off that Patreon thing. You won't hear me talk about it again. It weren't happening. A couple of people have signed up for it. Um, but it, it just wasn't feeling right. People are skinning enough. You can't ask for people for money. I know I know we've lost a sponsor and stuff, but that's our problem. We'll just suck it up and carry on it. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't feel like it was working, really. Or we were able to offer much more than what we're doing now so it's just it just didn't feel right it, it was a bit of a uh, a reaction to losing the sponsor and trying to find different ways to be able to you know, fund the expenses of the podcast and things but we'll, we'll, we'll have to do it a different way and be more creative with it I think so yeah so we're not going to be banging about that anymore hey you didn't miss much uh, so yeah, that's my little update, and welcome to another edition of the RGM Experience Podcast. Loads going on at rgm.press. Love to see you over there. But for now, let's have some chat. Today, I want to welcome you all to Laura Horton. Take it away. Hey, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we had a little chat earlier before we started recording. And, um, you know, I, I see you all over the place, supporting bands, always at gigs, that kind of stuff. A music-loving human out there in the world. <laughs> and I think, you know, people like yourselves that uh, are so, like, deeply entrenched within live music and, you know, a massive ambassador and a band manager that will come about as well. You, you like your music, don't you, mate? So I wanted to share your story and tell people about people like yourself that are out the good people like yourself in the world that are out there that are just you know uh 
music lovers like us. Ah, well, thank you very much for recognising. But yeah, no, it's uh, always been a massive part of my life. So it's not, it's now to be able to, I suppose I'm in a position where I can um, not only support new music, um, you know, by by putting my hands in my pocket and going to see new music, but I suppose the social platforms, although it has its pitfalls, it also does um, give a really good opportunity for us to share and, you know, share our love of it. Yeah, so social media, it's a, it's a strange world out there, isn't it? I, I kind of stopped putting some, like, made a, a conscious effort to stop putting my life on social media. One of the main reasons is because I, I do so much social media for RGM, and I just can't be bothered <laughs> to put my stuff yeah. on. <laughs> you know, it's because I'm just doing that much of it. Anyway, it's getting the magazine out there, and I'm very active on the socials there. But I kind of made a decision to not put my life out there as much because... You know, it don't it don't really do you any favors in my from my point of view. It, 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 what's your thoughts on the whole social media thing? Um, I spend way too much time on it. I'll, I'll okay. definitely say that. Yeah, it kind of like um, I suppose you lose a couple of hours, don't you? Um, yeah. I suppose it's for me. It's about not taking myself too seriously. So I think mm. you know I'm one for just sharing really random stuff and yeah. you know um, probably a little bit too close. Uh, you know, to the mark stuff at times. But I think if anybody thinks that you can actually tell somebody or their life or what they're going through through social media, I think that's where we go wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, you just know, you just put a snap it on there. Um, but I do think we're in a bit of a, um, as you said, a weird kind of moment at the moment where particularly, but I think the younger people um, yeah. where they feel that it's representative of what people are actually experiencing in actual life. And yeah. so they make lots of comparisons and feel that they need to be keeping up with that, which mm. is, which is very dangerous and particularly for young people's mental health. Um, so I'm consciously aware of, of that. Um, but yeah, it is something I use a lot, not only um, personally for work and also um, yeah. as you've alluded to for, for the band. So yeah, yeah. It, it does have its moments, but there is some scary, dark nastiness about it too. There, there definitely is, and you know when you when you're quite observant with stuff, and you you know I follow a lot. I do spend a lot of time on social media, just scrolling through, and like you say, you, you can lose an hour, can't you? Particularly on things like TikTok that are just designed to keep you and not let you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? To um, you know, like I, I'm 44, so I can remember before the internet came out. And being a kid without social media, uh, as soon as Twitter come out, I, I, I got quite, kind of like addicted to Twitter. It, it, it did something to me. It made me want to get involved with that type of thing. It's power. It's a powerful thing. It can grab you, can't it, for the, the right and wrong reasons? It's it's a strange one. We got quite deep straight away, haven't we? I know. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I think it's exactly yeah. that, though, isn't it? Because I think you know you see, and I think the new music scene's a really good example of that. Yeah. Um, and I suppose COVID gave, gave us that space to, and that's all people had time to be doing. Yeah. Um, but you know that that community, and when when you say the uh, oh the new music community, people you know I suppose who aren't involved in it find it a really odd concept. Yeah. But you know the support and kind of um, exposure that some bands have had because of it is an example of where it really works well. Yeah. Um, also, kind of the the support for um, charities and for um, organisation, yeah. uh, you know, big causes that you know that again. But it is it's then it's that underhanded. I suppose nastiness, really. And I'm unfortunately seeing more and more of that where people feel they can just make comments on everything from personal appearances to, um, you know, just underhanded, just cruel, really. And that that is that isn't a pleasant place to be. And I think you kind of sometimes I think it does us all good just to remove ourselves a little bit from that. 
Yeah, I, I was. I watch quite a lot of like American podcasts, particularly American comedians and stuff like that. And so one thing that one of them mentioned to me is, I think it was Louis C.K. I think he mentioned back like like pub talk and before social media and that kind of stuff. And when people saw people in real life and stuff, there was always that kind of horrible chat said out loud but it and and there was always banter which i don't particularly like that word anymore but you know it's it, it there was always horrible things that people said to each other in jest that that was out and it, it came out into the world and then it disappeared because it's just people speaking to each other so so i so it kind of rang true with me with social media he because he you know he's obviously got a lot of stake for stuff that's happened in the news and stuff so he he kind of sees it as that but written down now and permanent so he kind of just like segments in, in his own mind and thinks, you know, it, it is just chat. It, it shouldn't be documented to be held uh, to, to um, I don't know, to, to get you 10 years later down the line when it's just a conversation you've had with somebody online that's been documented because everything is stored on servers on social media these days. It's, 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 it's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think, in some ways people need to be held accountable for their actions and it does allow that at least. Um, you know, but, um, so I'm kind of an advocate for that side. So it's a bit contradictory, but I don't Mm, understand the need. If, for example, let's go back to the music thing. If a new, someone, someone's just released a song and you don't like it, don't comment, just, just move on. Uh, You know, and I don't feel the need why people need to then be kind of really, really nasty about it or, um, likewise it's it gets very personal very very quickly it's that kind of that whole saying isn't it just because you think it don't mean you should do it and you know and and for therefore um yeah it gets a bit tiresome sometimes when you just see some of that Mm. some of that kind of ugliness raising its head um and i think unfortunately really getting deep now i think there are some people um that are within positions of let's say power um who put that statement out and although a lot of people don't agree. The fact that they voiced it, it kind of gives people a, oh, well, it has been said, therefore I can mm. too. So it's that kind of level of just, yeah, it's just a bit ugly, isn't it? I can't imagine anything worse than like looking back at some of my tweets when I were like 18, 19, though. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? There's got to be some kind of cut-off zone when, you, when I'm a completely different person. I, I feel like a different person just in the last few years of getting deeper into my 40s where... Uh, I'm more aware of how much of a better person I can be than ever because I'm a bit older. But, yeah. you know, when I was in my early 20s, when I didn't know who I were and you say things just for the sake of it and, you know, I'd hate for those type of things to kind of, you know, like for people to have an opinion on what you like now when you say something that was years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I yeah, definitely agree. Um, but equally, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you need to be able to look at it's always about context as well. And that's yeah. what you can't get across on, on social yeah. media. Um, and I think this it's, it, it is, it's so, so difficult. And, and my world of work, um, I work, uh, I suppose I work for, in disability mainly, but I work mm. across all equality. Yeah. And so I do think we are, we are much better where we are now than where we were even five years ago yeah. in many ways. Um, but I do see some of the resurgence of um, some of that hateful speech and some of those opinions mm. that are just more freely out there. Um, I'm not saying that it was any better um, years ago because it was just underground. And like you said, it was those chats between friends and that's not, that's not good either. Yeah. But now it just seems, seems a way for 
certain groups and certain individuals to kind of create that um I don't know it's like a passage of rights that they go actually I can say it's free speech and stuff um but I do think yeah we need to be able to sometimes disconnect from what happened and what somebody said in in one context versus what's actually their opinion and so I just think I think there needs to be more kind of I suppose education particularly with younger people at school and stuff Mm -hmm. about actually what you put out there and actually that it can be harmful and it can be, you know, but it does create some um, some discussions. Yeah. And sometimes if you point something out to someone, not in an aggressive way, mm. people might consi- reconsider the, the choice of words they use um, or start a conversation. Um, you know, uh, we, uh, um, we do a, a podcast called Shits and Giggles, mm. so me and a group of mates, that actually social media was responsible for. We met through social media during right. lockdown yeah. and we become um great friends and actually i'm in in, in paula's house at the minute in belfast um oh, who i met online yeah. um and we did um, a podcast our latest one we we took we touched a real um important issue at the minute about um safe gigs for women um and tracy who kind of set up that charity um she was our guest on there and it actually created some really good conversations mm. um, that we wouldn't have been able to kind of access if it wasn't for social media, that you know, we engaged with people that um, hadn't considered some of the things that we'd, we'd said or made them kind of reassess about how they might support people if they were to witness that situation, you know, from the, the calling out of mates that are using inappropriate language. And I think that's what we need to do better. But it doesn't have to be in an aggressive way. Yeah. Um, and same as if you see someone who's using inappropriate language on social media or actually in life in general, um, you know, there are ways to tackle that. And often, um, you know, it doesn't need to be just a, a row. It can just be sometimes just a an informed, you know, kind of, a well-placed, informed kind of yeah. conversation. Um, yeah. And people do have them conversations, but unfortunately sometimes it just gets, it just gets, you know, just to basically play playground slagging yeah. matches. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, and I've got, I, w- I was going to speak to you about safe spaces for women at gigs as, as part of it. So as you've touched on it, we might as well discuss it now. Yeah. I, I, I put gigs on myself at RGM and on the interviews that we do with probably 10, 15 bands, uh, a week on the magazine i've added a question in there recently about what can we do as a community to make it a safer place for women so for, for me for for me personally at rgm on the mail out that we that we give out to all the bands i specifically ask them you know if you do uh if you see or something doesn't feel right just let me know and i'll get security and we'll sort it out straight away um we put signs up in the gigs you know so we don't tolerate any kind of um Ed, you know we don't tolerate anybody feeling uncomfortable at RGM gigs and that kind of stuff and a, a lot of people when when we ask the question particularly to artists they're not really sure what to do other than just call it out help us out is it, have you got any other tips that you know is there anything else we can be doing right now to make it a safer place for for everybody that goes to gigs and obviously women yeah, I mean, it is a tough one, isn't it? Because it's actually a societal thing, I think, which is, mm. you know, going to take um, some work. I do think it. I think you do. You, you know, definitely doing the right things. It's about telling the the artists, and and you know, I've not met an artist that doesn't really want that that environment. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to have a good time at the end of the day at their mm. gigs. So you know, kind of informing them that this is, this is, you know, this is our, I suppose, our. I don't know our rules, our mantra. You know that yeah. that we, this is a, a safe place, but also um, it's telling people that like, even if you've got the signs up saying actually 
you know we are we are we are aware um of what our responsibilities are and you know and do you know yours um i think safe gigs women they have like a like a charter um you know that that people like kind of sign up to and saying these are the things that we won't tolerate within gigs um but i think it's there's not a lot really you can well you can't only educate people really and it's just about being aware of um things from um kind of like personal space which is really difficult when you're in a gig you know and just being being a little bit more aware and um i was um at a gig actually um last night and um i was sober not that i'm drunk at every gig i go to (laughs) um but it's actually really really interesting to see it from that perspective that they that people have no not not all but very often when people are drinking they have no awareness of that Mm. um so people will kind of either like stand all over you or bump into you and i'm not Mm. saying that that's that's kind of any predatory kind of or any aggressive behavior but i think sometimes we we do forget ourselves Mm. And then obviously you go to the much more sinister side side of it. Um, but I think it's just um, as all being a bit more socially aware um, of what our responsibilities are of that. Um, and we want, we wanted, and we, I think, you know, everybody I've spoken to, because um, I don't generally mix with circles who wouldn't want it. Yeah. Um, but it's that, it's that everybody um, feels safe and everyone wants, you know, and feels comfortable and that could be from um, obviously from the harassment side of stuff. It could be to um, homophobia, or, or you know, it could be any of a race or kind of anything else. So I think it's just as all about being a little bit more socially aware of, of, of each other and just having a bit more respect. Um, which I think the issue is often is that, and again, some of the messages in they're seeing on social platforms yeah. can then sometimes penetrate into into that environment and. Um, yeah, but night. I'd I'd say a good percentage of the gigs I go to um, do create that environment. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And you know, uh, that charter is interesting. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. Is that something that like we can sign up to? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll 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 send you some links yeah, over. You. Yeah. Um, um. But yeah. No. And it's basically. Um. So they they do training as well. Oh, so. Yeah. Um, if they they can come to come to one of your gigs, for example, and so they can help spread the awareness, um, and then they found actually knowing that um, there's an organisation there, um, like who that's their kind of um, yeah. main eth- uh, ethos, and you know that what they're doing is that people will report that they feel safer just knowing that there's a, somebody there. Mm. But yeah, they can do some training with um, with you as staff um, to know what to look out for, knowing knowing how to do it. And everything they do um, is around that non-confrontational approach. So how to, how to kind of um, manage a situation without putting yourself or anybody at risk, mm. but we're getting people out of that situation as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll um, certainly kind of link you up with Tracy and that because that's yeah. something that she's she's what she's trying to do over the next couple of years, and they've got they've got trainers all over the country that can kind of support people to make, like I said, the gig safer. That 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 for me feels like a massive way forward to have that education because you know music promoters they're, they're a ragtag bunch i'm one of them <laughs> you know <laughs> we, we don't particularly come from a specific type of background you know it comes from all you know from all all, all the different communities that are out there in the world and and 
those type of things have been really useful for me because I've never had any education on crowd management or dealing with those difficult conversations away from the conversations that I have an RGM and work and all that kind of stuff. Where that I feel that would really help me get better at raising awareness and helping as well in some way. Yeah, definitely. Also. Definitely. And I think, yeah, I think it's definitely something that they're hoping to grow with that. So, yeah, um, yeah get involved, definitely. I, yeah. I really recommend yeah, it. Yeah, nice one, definitely. So let's go Let's go back a little bit. It got a bit serious there, didn't it, mate? It did. <laughs> it did, fair straight, straight <laughs> It's Christmas it. after all. I know, yeah. <laughs> and one thing you mentioned there, that you, you do, uh, you know, you've got this community of on, online people that you've got to gigs with and that kind of stuff. And I saw you at Atma, and that was a gig that was born from uh, during lockdown. Uh, what were the guys? I, I, the name's just gone out. Yeah, what were the gig now? Celebrating. It was the uh, Atma. You were there. Some shine were there. It was oh, it was the yeah. Ago. It was the um, virtual pub crawl. That's it. The virtual pub. Yeah, which started on on Twitter, didn't it? Uh, as a community yeah. of people like listening to music, and they, they all got chatting over Twitter, and they started doing live gigs and that kind of stuff. And that's the first time I had a quick chat with you and said hello there in in the real life world. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so it, it's nice to see things like that. Um come out of the social media world into the real world, isn't it? Because that, that was a cracking gig from people all over the country, raising great money for charity as well. So that, yeah, that, that, I like seeing stuff like that and, and knowing that's that's there in the world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think it was um, it mainly to see people, you know, people for real, in real life, you yeah. know, rather than just seeing them on, yeah. um, on Twitter. Yeah. It's always difficult, though, when people come up to you and say, oh, are you Laura? And um, so we, we're friends on Twitter, um, but because their I photo think, I, I think is, I, I think I said that to you. <laughs> yeah, that's and it's like I don't know. It's only yeah, because yeah. If, if you have not got a photo, I don't know who you yeah. are. Uh, which is um, so I reckon we still. I think we're still at a point where we need to go with little like name badges on. Yeah, um, sure, so yeah. We, or your Twitter handle so we can <laughs> yeah. and find out who you are. But no, it's been brilliant for that. Um, you yeah. know, and I've been to so many gigs um, where I keep bumping into people and um, yeah. to some people who are. Uh, reoffenders and we see each other all the yeah, time sure. yeah. um but also new people all the time but it's yeah that was, it was a real special gig and everyone was in really really good spirits yeah. they had a really strong lineup yeah um and yeah and i believe that they're, tr- they're trying to do something again for next year so yeah, watch this space so you say you're in belfast then at the minute uh, you're not from I belfast am. originally are you where are you from where where where, where you're based east midlands oh okay east midlands so what brings you to sunny belfast today then so um I come over and visit Paula um, when I can. Um, yeah. She's always over this way. <laughs> she's yeah. always over, over to England. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually here mainly for tonight um, to see Ash, who's one of my favourite bands oh, nice. yeah. during the the 90s. Yeah. And I love to go and see um, like a home gig, so to speak. Mm. Um, so I came up yesterday. And last night we went to watch Big Country. Oh, okay. So that was a, a blast from the past. Yeah. And right, tomorrow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I'm going so Paula said to me when I was coming over and she's oh I forgot I'm going out with my sisters um on Saturday night I was like that's fine I can entertain myself yeah. but she went no 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 I'll get you a ticket now so and everyone finds it highly amusing <laughs> I'm going to see Westlife oh, tomorrow okay. oh okay <laughs> and uh, so um again a home gig so it'll be interesting <laughs> but um yeah they're not they're not normally on my playlist and uh I just think there's going to be a lot of 40 plus women screaming and shouting. And uh, I don't, I don't uh, say that it's going to be, a, it'll be a good laugh, but yeah. I don't know their songs, but so I'll just sway and it'll be fine. There's going to be, there's, there's going to be a big, key, there's going to be a big, uh, they're going to be sat on stalls at some point and there's going to be a big key change. 
Maybe. Absolutely. I'm <laughs> waiting for that moment. Well, like I think that probably moment. be a few, won't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Probably about four every song, if I can remember one's life. How, <laughs> how, do, I, uh, so how do you get the energy to go to a gig every night? It's, it's quite, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's quite, you know, you must have a lot of energy to, you know, go to a gig like three nights in a row. When I've been to I one, know. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can maybe do another one. But then another one after that, it's just like, where do you get your energy from for it, mate? Where do you get your enthusiasm yeah. from? Because I do love music and yeah. that's why I didn't drink last night. Okay. For one. Right. Uh, you know, to pace myself a little bit. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's just something special about live music. I've always loved it and I've always, always done it. And from really young age, I was really mm. fortunate. My parents took me to a lot of live music. Um, and then in it was again during lockdown it was kind of a commitment to to myself and artists really that actually one of the best ways to support them is at the live shows um so I got really carried away in lockdown and um so a lot of rescheduled gigs and then also I booked pretty much everybody I could see so from new music to some of the kind of my more kind of bands that I'm um kind of always been in love with uh and then i found myself literally going to a gig you know at least one a week and that's carried on so um we we said um me and my friends and me and paul particularly said like we need to rein it in next year we can't keep flying over to each other (laughs) we can't keep doing this many gigs um and that went really well and i've looked and up until july i think i've got a at least one gig every week. So it's not going that well. <laughs> Yeah, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I, I was in Belfast a couple of months ago. Um, and it, the first time I'd been there, and it's, there's a nice vibe about Belfast, isn't there? You know, just, uh, just what, um, I can't, I can't memory, like I say, I can't remember the exact place where I were, but there's like loads of little alleyways and like uh, umbrellas and the, like, lights and umbrellas all over and yeah. like nice little walkways and stuff where you can just go and have a nice pint of Guinness or whatever you like. Um, yeah. And there's just loads of, loads of things to see. And of course I did the Titanic museum. Of course. Yeah. Standard, uh, it's a beautiful it? place. I yeah. love it here. Um, like you said, it's just, um, it's really friendly. It's, you know, but it's really vibrant. Yeah. You know, you can go out anytime, um, you know, in the midweek or whatever, and it's just always full. And, you know, on a Thursday night yesterday, for example, um, the limelight is where it was at, and it was absolutely rammed, mm. um, you know, and it, it's really nice to see. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and uh, so I think I'm, I'm slowly trying out one venue, well, different venues um, across Belfast mm. uh, to go and see. Yeah. But, no, it's it's. I know Paula was saying that because she hosted um, an event that we came over for um was, which was November, um, oh. and um, she put on a gig with uh, Dan Potter, for, um, and they had three new music um, kind of artists there, mm. um, and it got a really good, um, again, a good crowd, sold-out crowd. Um, but she said often Belfast sometimes gets forgotten, I suppose. Mm. Um, it, it's There is a good music scene, but often people see Dublin, I guess, as, as the yeah. place to come if you're going to travel over to Ireland. Yeah. So she's doing quite a lot of work, really, particularly around the new music scene to get to get more mm. artists here. So, yeah, really exciting to see how that how, how that develops. So how when did you first realise that? I know you mentioned yeah, your parents took to, to a lot of live gigs. Uh, when did you first, like, stand on your own two feet and think, right, there's something connected in me here that I need to getting more involved with music when when reverse going back a little bit when did you start to realize little laura is right into yeah. music 
I mean, I've like I said, I've always liked music. I've been surrounded by music. My dad was in a band, so right, okay. um, you know, so we was always going to to gigs all yeah, the time, um, if, if not his his, his own ones. Mm. Um, kind of, you know, I suppose uh, I dabbled a little bit, and you know, he often got me up on stage and sang along. So I've always oh. always been passionate about music. Um, Have you ever played suppose... anything? Have you ever played the guitar? Do you know what I? I so I, I dabbled with the guitar yeah. and the keyboard. And because I could sing a little, I was really lazy and decided <laughs> okay. to opt for that because right. I didn't have to do as much practice, yes. which is my biggest regret now. Um, yeah. My, you know, I, I've got guitars, I've got keys, and that, but uh, yeah, I, I can, and, and now this sounds really vain, doesn't it? I, I like long nails, um, so <laughs> yes, I can't play the guitar. Well, it hurts. It hurts as yeah. well. It bloody hurts because I've played guitar for years and I haven't played as much in the last few years and I picked one up the other day and I was just playing it and it's just like instant pain on any fingers. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's not nice. You've, you've got but, to commit yeah. to it, haven't you? You know, you, you, it's it's no mean feat playing guitars, particularly like if, you no. don't, if you're not privileged enough to have a nice guitar, you've got to like, it's like having razor blades on your fingers sometimes with some of those strings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But my daughter's um, big into into music and right. um, she can play. Um, and right. so, yeah, and she, she started to do a bit of songwriting as well now. So, right. yeah, so, um, it, so at least I've got music back in the house, which is which is really nice. So but I you, suppose for me, a... the birth, I've, I've told this story before, so sorry yeah. if anyone's heard it, but okay. I suppose for me, my birth, my first, I suppose, big girl gig on my own mm. um, was when I was 16 and um I went to Manchester uh, with a group of friends on a bus. Still don't know why my mum thought that was a, was a good idea <laughs> for me to do. Um, and I went to Main Road to watch Oasis in right. 96. Yeah. So that was kind of my first step into doing it on my own um, and, not, and not expecting other people. And it's kind of just, yes, yeah, spiral from there, really. What, who was the first band that you got like emotionally and uh, everything else that you can get involved with, invested in, in with a band? Who was your first band? Um... I don't know really. Um, like I said, because it's always been in my first ever gig when I was five. I went to watch Five Star, so I was a massive yes. fan of them. Did the dance routines and yeah. stuff. Um, and then I suppose I went through a bit of a, obviously in my house. My mum's massive into Motown, so mm. um, really heavily influenced that. My dad was more guitar based, so a lot of kind of um, T Rex and the Beatles and stuff. Mm. So, and then. I went down the boy band route for a long time, yep. um, you know, so the, the the new kids on the block and I became a little bit obsessed with them. And then um, actually I had this conversation uh, with um, with Paula. When I was um, 10, I was diagnosed with bone cancer. Okay. And um, so I went on a year's treatment and stuff. And um, and then when my hair started to grow back, um, so this is this is like 11, 12 year old Laura, mm. um having a crisis image. Yeah, you know, crisis sure. issue. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> uh, my hair's, you know, it's only just started to grow back. Yeah. I can't particularly wear stuff that's going to look like boy bandy. So for me, at the age of then, I really got into um, Guns N' Roses mm. because I was like, well, that'll work. So I could have black lips. I could kind of like make dark eye makeup, you know, wear my kilt and my Doc Ap- Martin. So I, I suppose they t-shirt. were my first. Sorry? Appetite for Destruction t-shirt on. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it, it was there. And then I then kind of went um, really into kind of like Nirvana. Uh, yeah. um, so it was that kind of more grungy, harder music. And then um, for me, then I, I really, and ever since really, I got really into like, I suppose the Britpop era and indie music. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I've stayed really. Although I do, I'm quite diverse. I like lots of different types of music. It's always guitar music that I tend to come back to. 
there's always a theme on this podcast and people will be sick of me bringing this up again but once music grabs you that's it you're powerless to to control that aren't you it's just it's such an amazing thing that happens when because you know I I were in a band for years it all split up because people got boring and they didn't want to do it anymore I still want I still had this thing inside me to keep to carry on with music it's ended up manifesting itself into organically owning a magazine which i never saw coming um it's just you know you, you can't put it down can you can you can you put your finger on why you can't put it down because i can't no i don't know i think like, there's not a, there's not a day i don't listen to music yeah um you know I, I wake up with it and kind of you know and we'll listen to it all day and i think it sounds really kind of like cliche doesn't it but i think music speaks to you in ways when you don't know what's going on in your yeah. head yeah. you will find a song that can help explain that mm. um you know I'm, I'm a real lyrics person um so i kind of um kind of find myself becoming quite obsessed with that and i realized that started really young so remember smash it days and you used to have the lyrics yeah, in yeah. in magazines and stuff um and so i will always i mean obviously it's the melody and the kind of the you know which will we often draws you in to start with but mm. if i connect with the song lyrically mm. um yeah and i think there's definitely something about that there's always a song for whatever you're feeling um, yeah. And I always say it's the greatest gift, you know. If someone ever, you know, ever writes a song for you, or if anybody ever sends you a song, said, "Oh, this made me think of you," or I know you're feeling mm. a bit rubbish at the minute. Here, listen to this. I think yeah. it's probably the greatest gift that we have to give people. Um, so yeah, it's probably that. But it's yeah, can't pinpoint exactly. But it's just makes you feel something. Yeah, I, I feel it a slightly different way, only because I'm a melody person, music fan, rather than a lyric one, and a chord can fucking affect you sometimes can't it just a certain a way a song starts or just a, a certain melody yeah. in a song can affect you in ways that words can never affect me that that's where i am with it all it's it's, it's fascinating yeah and, and you know and obviously there's plenty of us that think that isn't there yeah. but um you know and i, I never i i you know, each your own isn't it? you and people go oh, i don't really you know i don't really listen to much music or i'll have it on but i don't really it's weird isn't not it? like <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, it is. yeah, it is. It is. But my my older sister and um, um, we didn't grow up together. Um, yeah. she's my well, she's she's my sister, but she's my stepsister. So didn't have quite the same influences as I did yeah. around music. And she she does music. She listens to music all the time. But yeah, she's like, oh, I don't really. No, I don't have a favorite band. No, I like a song. That's it. You know what I mean? And it's like, and I don't, I don't get how that kind of. Um, you know, uh, so we often she's like, "Oh God, you and your guitar music again." Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, but it's been like I said, and my kids are the same. Yeah. So it's really, really. My kids are at an age now. Uh, well, from very young again, I took them to gigs, um, and uh, but um, they still come come with me, which is really nice. Mm. My son's twenty six, and my daughter's sixteen, and they still both yeah. want to come to gigs with me. So I'm doing something right. Are you a bit of a mummager with them, particularly with your daughter? A mummager. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you like look after him and try and you know send them through the music industry in 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 the way that you think is the best and try and you know yeah yeah oh i mean i i'm you know if they start liking music that's not quite on my radar that i'm not yeah. you know probably not my genre i'm a little bit uh not, i don't think so I'm kind of push them back <laughs> okay, to where, what i want to do yeah. <laughs> but no, right. no i'm joking um yeah they so they've just like i said been around music as well so it's really nice to see that they carry on um, you know, personally with yeah. um, what they they choose to do and gigs and stuff, but equally, um, yeah, that they still want to come with me, which is uh, you know, nice. which is which is nice. 
And, you know, your love for music, you became a band manager. Just tell us a story about how that happened. Because I manage a band, mate. I know exactly what it's like. Uh, for me personally, it can sometimes be a very enjoyable process. <laughs> <laughs> and hard work and painful. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that can go on behind the scenes with the band that a manager has to deal with that people will never see. What, what, do you, do you agree with that at first? <laughs> yeah, my, my kind okay. of best analogy is like herding cats. Yes, definitely. You know, um, but yeah, it, it just happened by chance. So yeah. we actually, we were, um, I was with, so Paddy, who's the keys player um, mm. for uh, Nice Guy, I was, he was. I'm. Uh, so I got introduced to him online again um, when he when he was part of Vela Vela incident, and so just got chat got chatting. Um, so we were at a gig in in Manchester, and actually Paula again. She she pops up all the time. Uh, was with us, and we were we would. He was doing a gig. Um, so we'd met up with him, and after the gig, we were just walking past, and we were just got chatted about about nice guy, mm. and he was just like. Oh yeah, he goes. We've got some really good stuff, and that he's like, but we're just not very organised, and this yeah. kind. Of, and Paula chirps up, going, um, "Well, you need you need a manager, okay. you know that kind of thing." And then um, pointed he's to like, you, "Yeah, that's, not her." Yeah, pretty much. And, <laughs> okay. was, and yeah, and, and, and he was like, "Yeah, it's exactly what yeah. we need." Um, and so she just looked at me. She, oh, Laura, would be great at it. Um, and I just laughed it off. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. I had a few drinks, kind of chat chat. Well, then Paddy continued to peck my head for like days and days months and then um I, I remember getting this message from him one day and he was just like oh I've spoken to the lads um and yeah and you're our manager I was like I'm <laughs> okay. not quite sure how that works <laughs> okay you know um and I was like but they've never met me you know it might not work and he's like no 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 we're keen you can have 20 percent like, of nothing as well uh, oh, for, oh, for your troubles uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I met so I went over they had a gig in Birmingham um and I went over um, to, to to meet them and I, I kind of gave my pennies worth of what I thought I might be able to bring to the to the table so mm. to speak um and they were like yeah and so I've, it's just been over a year now um and we've we've released um five singles this year and actually um, one came out today which was our oh, nice. Christmas song everything that you asked for so oh. that was a, a surprise to everyone we just dropped that there this morning nice. so yeah, and we've managed. To, I've managed, and their main thing was for was their own main ask for me was to get them out of Teesside because that's where they that's where they 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 live, um, and that's where often they do um, a lot of gigging. And it's really difficult, isn't it, to navigate yourself around around the rest of the it's country, the particularly it's the hardest thing for a band to get out of the, the place that they're in. And I've got a t shirt on, a Jen Dixon t shirt. Speaking of Teesside, hey, um, she, she, you know, we, we've spoken, she, she, she's. You know, obviously, you know, trying to get out in there and working hard with the chickens and stuff and just cracking on with the yes. world. Um, it, it's, re it's really hard for any bands to get out of the town. And I, I'm managing a band called Sinclair in Manchester. And because I'm from Sheffield originally, I've managed to get them a few gigs in Sheffield and, and that kind of stuff just to try and get out of the, the home city. Because bands can play their own place too much, can't they? Yes. Yeah, and then definitely. You end, up, you end up just playing You know, they were experiencing that they weren't developing because of that, I guess. yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the biggest thing that we've done, um, and we've we've linked up, and again, this is um, where it comes back to this new music community. Mm. Um, we've managed to link up with um, quite a lot of bands um, and done a lot of gig swapping, mm. and so we will go and support them in other areas. So we've been we've been um, had the pleasure to support um, like Heavy North and Apollo mm. Junction, mm. 
the calves. Um, so yeah, and that's just getting us around. Um, and I think that's definitely the way forward. That band's actually, you know, if they start teaming up and start doing that that gig swapping, that definitely seems to be a really positive way to do that. It, it is really. It's the. It's, it's for me. It's the only way. I don't know how else. Because from a, a promoter's point of view, I, I get a lot of bands from all over the country asking to play RGM live gigs, and it's really. I have to explain to them that the cost of hiring venues, particularly in Manchester at the minute post COVID, is just ridiculous. Yeah, and it's a it's a massive financial commitment to put on a band that might not bring anybody because you're going to end up losing money, and then you can't you can't keep losing money for too long unless you can't do it anymore. Yeah, um, so so it's it's really difficult from a promoter's point of view to to try and help. I do put I, I do get a few people over from Sheffield every now and again, um, but the only way that I can do that is by having them on a gig in Sheffield. They sell tickets there. And then I can use that money from them ticket sales towards the Manchester gig, and try yeah, and, and no. try and offset it them, them both. So the so so I don't go you know owing hundreds of pounds at the end of each night, which is no good for anybody. Um, no, exactly. So, you know, and it's really, and it's really, and there's nothing more disheartening also to yeah. you know to play just for a handful of people. Mm. And I I've had this conversation with a few artists, and it, it, it's it's a really difficult one, and I don't really know the answer. Yeah. Now, um, there's kind of a lot of talk around people uh, like, I suppose, buying followers and likes on Spotify for their songs. And I I understand why that's the thing, because there are certain playlists and certain promoters, particularly a festival that won't consider bands if they've not got X amount of followers. So because there's so much emphasis on that, I see how that happens. The only issue is then when you put on, so you think you have, because I don't believe sometimes the artists know exactly what's happened, particularly if they've got a management company and stuff behind them. Um, and then what happens is you put a gig on because you think you've got quite a big fan base. And then, yeah, you go to kind of to do a little mini tour or whatever, and then you don't have that backing. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it, it's a real difficult one to crack, really. And then, you know, you've got um, certain... So we're really trying hard next year to get on the festival scene. Yeah. Um and a lot of them, it's literally, you know, when you're filling out the applications, they want to know how many gigs you've had outside of your area, yeah. what you, you know, what's the followers on Spotify. So they put that much emphasis on it. Mm. Then people feel that the only way they can do that is kind of like fudging the system a little bit. Yeah. But then that then doesn't translate when you're trying to get gigs. And it's just, a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's tough. It's tough being an artist, you know. All they're trying to do is just fake it till they make it, I suppose, in this industry. That's the hardest industry in the world. You've got to take whatever advantage you can. And there are sharks out there that sell you followers, which I don't, I, I've never done it. I don't know, really know what it means. I've done the old follow a lot of people and some of them follow you back and then unfollow on social media. When I first started getting involved with Twitter and you can't do it now because it just cancels you. It blocks your account and then you've got to log yeah. in again if you, if you follow more than like 20 people. So it's not like a thing like it was in the past. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't blame bands for doing it because how else are they going to get any kind of reply from festivals or labels or managers if they've just got, 50 people following them on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it is. It's difficult. And and I don't know any, you know, and I don't know any answer to that. Yeah. I think for us as a band, what we've really tried to do um, over the last, and it seems to work, is just 
being present. So, you know, do respond if people do kind of tag you in a tweet, if yeah. they do start chatting to you, um, you know, don't just pop up when you've got something to promote, just kind of, and people like nonsense, don't they? Yeah. So if you've got some kind of, you know, if you could do a little kind of soundbite of you just talking rubbish or just doing something really mundane, yeah. that really kind of gets it, you know, gives the insight to you as people yeah. and people buy, I think people buy into people. So if you're personable and you seem, you know, um, a little bit witty or just, you know, odd or strange, whatever that is, yeah. that seems to seems to be a way forward. A band from Manchester called Spangled are the best at that. Yes, I like them a lot. Yeah, they are really good. <laughs> they are daft. As, daft they're just daft. Um, <laughs> and they're, I think they're my favourite humans in the music industry, I think. <laughs> It's a, it's a good place, a good accolade to have. Yeah, no, I agree. Their content's great. Yeah, so they're always like, you know, they are daft with it. They make no bounds about, you know, they don't take themselves too seriously, which a lot of bands do take themselves very, very seriously, which is frustrating. Just enjoy it, lads. You know, they're, they're thinking about the end game. They're, they're thinking about having a career, and every year they get a bit. Uh, every year they get older. You can see them worrying about is it going to happen for them when, and they kind of stop enjoying it and just the, the chasing of something that might never happen just enjoy it for now and connect with as many people as you can then you've got a better chance than trying to i don't know live in a world where you've already been signed in your own head yes Madness. yeah it's, you know it's tough isn't it because a yeah. lot i think that's the ultimate aim for most artists they'd like it to be a career that they yeah. you know could pay their way at least yeah. um you know and i think but it's it's easy to become jaded, isn't it? You know, you put a lot of effort in and then, you know, um, and again, it goes down to this, we put this, and I suppose social media is partly responsible for that again because yeah. we put this on, oh, only so many streams of this song or this yeah. is how, you know, and it's like, but did, did but did 10 people like reach out to you and say they really liked the song and this part yeah. of this song really connected? Um, and I think they got to, like you said, often check in about why you're doing it. What is it about music that made you want to do it in the first yeah. place? And is that the reason you're still doing it? Because like you said, as soon as you stop enjoying something, well, that comes across as well. That that becomes very evident, I think. Um, and so in terms of the people who, um, like I said, followed you and chatted with you yeah. because you, you were, you're putting out daft content, you know, we'll see that that's started to change. They're your fans. Engage with them. Save them. Get a, write a, d- a database down with those people's names so you don't forget them when you've got a next release coming out. That, and and just grow it organically. That's the only way that you can do it. I think what what we've been doing with Sinclair is like, cause particularly, I'm, I'm not talking about Sinclair specifically, but I, I see it with a lot of bands. Once they've done a hometown gig and they've sold a few tickets for it, they think they're entitled to a bigger stage straight away. When it's probably the worst thing that they can do is is keep create moments, sell out gigs. Don't try and get to the academy gigs and the bigger gigs in Manchester. I'm just speaking for Manchester, but you know, which whatever city you're in, yeah. ha- hang around the smaller venues and sell them out for a bit longer, and people will notice you, and people will have a better time at your gigs. You'll you you might get to a position where you can put a band. Uh, where you've sold enough tickets to put a band on from out of town, and then you can go and support them in their town. Just slow down a bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you do see that sometimes, don't you? Thinking you get a bit giddy, I suppose, at the moment, yeah. don't you? And you go, right, this means we can now go. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> will they travel? Will people? You know, and yeah. you see, and it's I suppose, and, and Manchester's a really difficult one actually, because I go to Manchester a lot for a lot yeah. of gigs and new music, but they are. There's that many on now, and um, you yeah. know, and sometimes you see it's quite frustrating where you'll have, um, 
really um bands that i like that are on the same night in different venues yeah. um you know and it's like but often that's the same audience so the people that like that band like this band as well yeah. you know so it'd be nice to see promoters being a bit more joined up actually and kind of just you know seeing what's out there and, and yeah. working a little bit closer together to give to give people the more chance i mean it's it, you know, not only is it cost a lot to hire the venues, but yeah. now it's um, you know it's getting more expensive to get there. Hotels have gone, you know, silly prices again. Mm. You know, so it's like, could, is there anything a bit more joint up that we could do to support the, yeah. the industry as a whole rather than a competitive thing? And the cost of living crisis, it, it's oh. the it, you know, tickets are. Uh, I'll, I'll speak for our gym. Our, our tickets are eight pounds, so it's like seven pound plus a pound for the cost of the transaction and all that kind of yeah. shit. So eight quid is a lot of money to some of the people's fans that are coming to see them in gigs. There might be twenties, early twenties, maybe a bit younger. Um, but, and, and that's a lot of money for them. And that the hardest thing that I've found over the last six months is that people aren't buying tickets the last minute for grassroots yes. gigs. So as a promoter, you're shitting yourself. You think I've lost money. Yeah, I'll just have to fucking soak it up and just go with it. Uh, on the day or a couple of days before, it generally sorts itself out. It sometimes doesn't, um, but you can't you, you can't plan ahead as much because it, it, there's more uncertainty out there with, with what's going to happen because of the cost of living crisis for everybody at the minute as well. And, it, and it's really affecting the music industry, definitely in Manchester. Uh, I can only speak for Manchester. I've not put a, a, enough gigs on in Sheffield this year, really, apart from like tram lines, but that were free entry anyway. Um, so it's it's definitely one to keep an eye on and you know i like what you're saying about you know promoters speaking to each other but it can be quite a tribal environment for people to like consider giving up a, a, a percentage of their people that might come to your gig um, yeah and I, I don't know how that would work i'm, I'm open for to have a conversation about it i just can't i don't i don't know no like you said particularly because you're all you know because it is you know, it's such a dire time for everybody. Yeah. Um, and when people are choosing where they're going to spend that £10 and they've yeah. only got that one one to spend that month, you yeah. know, and that's, um, and obviously you want a part of that and that's kind of, that, that's yeah. business, you know, and I get that. Yeah. Um, but I do, yeah, I, I, like I said, it, it probably wouldn't happen, but I do think actually if, if we want it to work, I think there's got to be some kind of broader thinking about what that might yeah. look like a little bit. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've so I said that that's my kind of biggest notice is that um, uh, there are some places that have just become a little bit saturated, I guess, for yeah. want of a better term. Yeah. Um, and you know, so it might be an opportunity. It, it could be, and with everything, there's an opportunity, and it could be an opportunity for promoters to kind of move a, move across borders a little bit, you know, rather yeah. than the cities as well. So, yeah. but then you don't want to tread on people's toes, and I get that too. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting world, the music industry, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a word for <laughs> it's, it. <laughs> it's never a dull moment. What's your favourite thing about being a band manager? I really I really like to see, um, just to see them grow, really, and just, yeah. just to kind of give them a bit of a platform that I think they deserve. Um, you know, that's that's really nice. And I was fortunate. So when our uh, last single, Corona, came out, I, I'd only been managing them for a few months, and we went, um, <laughs> we hired a house, um, possibly go wrong we went down to liverpool for three days and we went and uh, recorded it um with sugar house um in st helens which was which was a brilliant experience so i got to see that from kind of like concept to kind of like being produced and then obviously to the end and to see that journey has been really good and i just love it when i I see people who are just 
who picked up the song because yeah, you've got people who are I guess fans and people who are really really good supporters and I know they'll listen to it and I'm yeah. always grateful um and but then when somebody so when they're like bigging it up and not just kind of oh here's a new song but really kind of like you know saying oh this is brilliant and then other people who have never heard of them before you know saying it was good and we went to we were supporting so it was um the listen up guys had done a gig in um with um at jimmy's with um apollo junction mm. they were the headliners and we were yeah. supporting them and it was uh i was just stood in the crowd just ready to watch and someone tapped me on the shoulder and they were wearing like a nice guy t-shirt oh, nice. and i just like you know it was little things like that that yeah. just it is nice it's nice to see it is nice to guide these kids that don't have a clue in many many ways <laughs> and it's, it's nice to put your arm around them and show them a a, a path um but they, but they can be hard work, can't they? I always yeah, come back to well, that. mine are I, mine are older than that. Mine are, mine are kind of like from the mid twenties. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, you'd think they'd have more a bit more kind of I suppose life experience, <laughs> but no, they do, they do. But um, so they, I, I, enjoy, the I enjoy you complaining about how hard work it is, but I enjoy it. I promise you, I do. Well, we wouldn't do it otherwise, <laughs> yeah. would we? Um, you know, it's just little things like you know when we have like a band meeting, and it's yeah. like I'm like you know, trying to kind of lay the law down a little bit, like, right, you need to ensure that you're doing your band practice on the same day, all yeah. these kind of roles, um, you know. But then they've got full-time jobs. Yeah. Uh, one of them's got children. Yes, yeah, so it's all yeah. these things. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. However, we're just talking about the band, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and I'm like, have you got, have we got the artwork done for this bit? Have we done this ready? You know, so it just seems like I'm a bit naggy sometimes. Oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I've just turned into a, a nagging nightmare because <laughs> one, one thing that i don't stand for is oh i've been working all day i'm like right okay well so have i and i've been doing rgm for four hours on top of that and i'm doing band <laughs> stuff so that excuse can go to shit <laughs> i'm not having it yeah. <laughs> but, but it, it, it is what it is and, it, and, and like you say i, I won't do it if i didn't enjoy it and, and it, it, you do get some real breakthrough moments that you're sharing with these kids that are really passionate about music and you can't be that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and, 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 you know, it's in their title, isn't it? But they yeah. are really, really nice guys, literally. Yeah. Um, and, and that helps, you know, yeah. they, they um, are, are really, really sound people. Um, and, you know, every now and again, they'll, and they do, and they're very grateful. Yeah. And I don't do, I don't want praise mm-hmm. or anything, but they will yeah. check in now and again, see, see how I am and how, oh, I, nice. how I get in what I need from it and stuff, which yeah. is, which is nice. But uh, yeah, I'll just continue to keep nagging them. And, <laughs> and how are you, Laura? <laughs> and how am I? What now? Yeah, I'm grand. <laughs> You're all right. You've got a long weekend of music ahead of you, aren't you, mate? I have. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm all, I'm all good. Do, do you have to take time for yourself? Just on a serious note, do you have to take time for yourself? You know, because managing band is time consuming. You're working full time. You're at gigs a lot. You're traveling. Or, you know, you're in Belfast now. Do you take time for yourself, mate? I'm just checking in on you. Uh, I to be fair, I don't know how to. Um, I okay. never have. Right. Um, so Fair yeah, um, and I guess, and that is for music. It, that, that my mu- my time is music, yeah. I suppose. Okay. So that is kind of my my downtime, and that's something you know thing I enjoy. Yeah. Um, like I alluded to when I was you know um, when I was younger, I, I was ill um, and and kind of in and out of hospital for years, yeah. bits and bobs, and then um, I was told I couldn't have children. So very shocked to find myself pregnant at sixteen. Yeah um and so then i brought my son up um what well, me and my ex did and then then we, 10 years later went on to have our daughter 
Um, and so kind of like um, I've always been busy. So yeah. when, you know, even though when I, when um, I had my son, I was still, at, I went to university still, mm. still got my career. And so I've always been doing something, you know, and so, but now I suppose my kids are at an age where they're, where they're old enough to kind of fend for themselves a little bit more. Yeah. So kind of my time, although, you know, I don't believe you do have a time if you're a parent, um, but it is going to gigs and that's where I get my kind of, well, try and get my sanity a little bit. But Yeah. Well, you, you're very much appreciated from, from an on, onlooker. It's why I've got you on the podcast because there should be more people like you in the world that just go out there and share the, share the stories that go on uh, around gigs and that kind of stuff. And there's loads of challenges. There always will be in this music industry. Um, and I just thank you for your time today, mate. And it's been a nice chat. It's been nice getting to know you a little bit more. And I'm sure the people watching this have enjoyed our chat too, mate. Thank you. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. And yeah, and now everybody knows I waffle even more than they think I <laughs> Welcome to my world. It's, it's why we do podcasts. So. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks, Laura, mate. Cheers, pal. Yeah, what an interesting chat, you know. Um, what more can we do to support women that feel vulnerable at gigs there's a link in the description of the podcast to a safer space for women uh, you can now check out nice guys the band uh, we've had a big uh, spike in subscriptions on our youtube channel as well thanks for that and i've not been begging for it as well which makes it extra nice <laughs> it must be people that are you know finding the channel and, and really enjoying it organically which is the the best way of doing things, really, isn't it? You know, you know, you can beg people for followers, but what's the point, really, if they're not going to watch your stuff? You know, your friends and your friends and family might do it, but it don't really help you because um, they don't watch your stuff because they're not that bothered. They're just doing it as a favour for you. But find people that are genuinely um, enjoy the content that you bring out is nice, and I presume that's why they've subscribed anyway because I don't know them personally. Same with this podcast. These kind of podcasts, you know, you can put all the stuff out on the socials and get people sharing it and stuff, but you, know, you can't tell people what to do. People find these things organically. And if you found us organically, welcome, guys, and thanks for joining us. Tell a friend, though, you know, word of mouth, I think, is the best way of spreading the love with podcasts, I think. Have you had this podcast? Yeah, so welcome to another week. Um, it's been a good and it's been a, a, a fascinating week this week. I've really enjoyed it. Roll on next week, eh? But yeah, we will be back this time next week, every Monday as always, here at the RGM Experience Podcast with me, Carl Maloney, that guy from RGM. And I'll see you later. Have a good week, guys. Keep in touch. Crack on. Doodaloo. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.